I'm Alex Newman and you're listening to the second in a series of short podcasts on investing in natural resources in which I speak to the head of a London-listed company involved in mining. Today I'm joined by Nick Clark, Executive Chairman at Central Asia Metals, which is an aim-listed copper producer and explorer with assets in Kazakhstan and Chile. Nick, thanks for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Can I start by asking you to talk about your main asset, which is the Kunrad site in Kazakhstan? And what makes it so different to other copper projects people might be more familiar with on, on London? Thank you for the opportunity. Kazakhstan is, uh, is an area that I've been involved in since 1994. And I actually built an underground chrome mine there in the 2006 to 2008 period. And with the success of that, I then joined uh, Central Asia Metals in 2009. And they had a project that they were looking to develop in the north of Almaty that really was a different opportunity. And it was looking to recover copper from some old mine waste dumps. And these old mine waste dumps were formed from the early days in the mid-1930s when the so- during the Soviet period when they started mining in this region at the site called Kunrad. And over the years, something like 650 million tonnes of so-called waste product was dumped on surface. Now, this small waste dump product does contain small quantities of copper. And so in late 2008-9, we started exploring and looking at how we could recover copper from these dumps. And this led us to employing a Chinese engineering outfit from Beijing to design and estimate the cost of constructing such a project. And when we'd done that, we took the um, company that was private at that time to the London AIM market, and we IPO'd in late 2010 to raise $60 million to construct the project we'd had the design done on. That project was built, and in early 2012, we started production of copper. And from that date, we've produced over 50,000 tonnes of copper now. And I think what sets us apart on AIM from many of our contemporaries is that we started a dividend policy in 2012. And we've just announced our interim results for the first half of this year. And we've announced a 5.5 dividend this year, which takes the total amount of money that we've returned to shareholders to $82 million since we started production in 2012. And I think that's the testament to the project that we have. It's strong economics. It's a very low cost producer. Kazakhstan's a good place to do business. And I think the success of our company is something that others are trying to emulate now. Excellent. You've got these dumps of copper. I mean, how long could you do this for? I know it's not on a mine in the conventional sense, but what is the life of mine or We started uh, leaching these dumps in 2012. And as I said uh, in my previous answer, we've extracted about 50,000 tonnes to date. Mm. We estimate that there's close to 200,000 tonnes still to be extracted from these dumps. And so we're estimating our life out to beyond 2030. 2034 is actually the end of the licence period. And we, we expect to be producing copper right out till then. Okay, excellent. Investors have lots of opportunities or options for getting copper exposure in London. So if you look at a company like BHP with Escondida project, it's enormous, enormous scale. Should investors think that there is a greater economies of scale with, with bigger projects? Because, I mean, you're a minnow compared to some of the, the largest copper miners out there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the world production of copper is around about 20 million tonnes, plus or minus. And we produce somewhere in the in the order of 14,000 tonnes. So yes, we don't affect the price of copper in any way, shape or form. The big boys, the BHPs, the Codelcos, the Rios, they are all major producers of copper. But they suffer from the same problems that a lot of the big companies do, is that they are facing falling grades of the assets that they're mining. They're getting deeper, they're getting more expensive. So the cost of keeping ahead and 
keeping pace with the way the industry is going is costing them more and more. Mm -hmm. The cost of that money is costing more and harder to come by. As we uh, saw in the recent past, some of the major companies, first Quantum, Glencore, were suffering for, with, with major amounts of debt on their books, not enough cash flow to service those debts. And so they were stressed and their balance sheet became very stressed with too much debt. We are a small company. We have no debt on our balance sheet, and therefore we have a very positive cash flow, which we can return to shareholders on a sustained basis. The big boys, they do produce a lot of copper. They can make a lot of money when the copper price goes up, but when it goes down, they're stressed. Mm. You said Kazakhstan's been a good place to do business. Obviously, you've been there for more than two decades. Some investors might hear the words miner and Kazakhstan and have some bad memories about corporate governance, uh, some of some of the miners which listed at the top of the commodity cycle. What would you say to investors who, to allay their fears? And what's your experience of dealing with the Kazakh government? Look, if I was to say that it is easy to do business in mm. Kazakhstan, I would not be telling the truth. Uh, however, since we started there in, as I said, constructing this project in 2009, we've had nothing but assistance from the government. I, I can say that bureaucracy is something that they could export um, because it's it's... Uh, a very heavily regulated environment. But as long as you fill the forms in, you wait for the time, the permissions and the permits to construct and to operate will come. Mm. In addition to paying back something like $82 million to shareholders in dividends, at the same period, we've spent $74 million in taxes to the state. We employ over 300 people on site, and all of them buy goods in the local community. They pay their taxes. And so we, in general, have been a great addition to the um, uh, resource sector in Kazakhstan. And as to your question about governance, mm. well, I can't comment on what may or may not have happened. All I can say is that we have a mixture on our board of well-known industry professionals on the board who are well-respected in the financing community and the mining community. And also I have some important uh, board members from Kazakhstan who are themselves influential uh, in the country itself. And as to the future, um, Kazakhstan is not like many countries. It doesn't and hasn't increased taxes due to be paid by mining companies, as we've evidenced in Australia recently, where there's been talk of uh, introducing taxes on iron ore exports. Africa, changes in royalties, mm. uh, which in, in, in recent times in Zambia caused much distress to some of the companies operating there. We never hear any talk about resource nationalisation, which happens throughout Africa and in South America as well. Kazakhstan, corporation taxes 20%. We pay our taxes gladly in that country. It's given us a fantastic opportunity. And I can, I can recommend to others that Kazakhstan is not such a bad place. You've got to be prepared to spend sure. your time to establish yourself there, but uh, it's not all bad. Right. One big thing to happen in, in the country in the last year has been the devaluation of the tenge, the local currency. Obviously, when you're looking at your cost profile in the interims, costs have come down considerably. But at the same time, you'd think it would be a good thing. But has there been price inflation in terms of wages and uh, other costs that you've, you have to deal with locally? Uh, our cost of production that we announced in our interims just this week, uh, 40 cents per pound of copper produced. Now, there, there's an international uh, number. It's called a C1 cash cost that you rank yourself with other copper producers around the world. Now, the average price of copper production at the C1 level internationally is probably about a dollar 60 65 per pound of copper produced now copper currently is trading at about two dollars ten cents per pound our cash cost at the c1 level is 40 cents a quarter of what the average is now a lot of that is due in in the recent times to the devaluation in the tengi which occurred middle of 
middle of last year. Uh, and we've benefited from that, uh, undoubtedly so, and so have our shareholders, by the ability of us to increase our uh, dividend for the first half of the year from 4.5p last year to 5.5p this year. But we haven't forgotten the people who work for us. In Kazakhstan, you mentioned inflationary pressures. We're not seeing yet much inflation coming through. But at the beginning of the year, we took the decision uh, to increase wages, salaries for our local employees by 25%. And we did that without the sort of in, the government pushing us to do so. And in fact, the government was not encouraging anybody to increase wages because that just leads to inflationary pressures internally. But all our staff in Kazakhstan are from Kazakhstan. We do not have expatriates managing the project. And we felt that it's most important to keep our local staff well incentivized. We pay them well, we look after them well, and we have a very low turnover of staff. And people like working for us and they stay with us. Just on that note, I mean, it sometimes strikes me the investment world looks at mining companies sometimes purely on the basis of price, costs and earnings and everything else is as externalities. Though it's a very, very dangerous business. We, you know, hear of, of injuries and fatalities, you know, often at some of the, the bigger mines. What do you do to sort of safeguard your employees in that sense? And you, you talked a little bit about, you know, obviously raising wages and providing for the community. But how do you, how do you ensure they're safe? And what, what's the guarantee you can give investors that your project looks after its people? Well, Alex, I'm glad you asked that question because the, the, the one expatriate we do have working on site is Corporate and Social Responsibility Director. His role is to uh, improve health and safety, look after the environment, and generally look after our interests from a, a pastoral, if I can use right. that term, perspective. And his role is to ensure that we operate a, a safe working environment, which I have to say in, in the former Soviet Union and in Kazakhstan possibly did not get the attention that it should. Um, it is increasingly getting that way. We have a very active health and safety policy on the on the mine uh, this last interim statement we've worked uh, a million hours without any lost time injuries during that period and i think that's a testament to the work hard work we've put in um over the years um in addition locally we have put about a million dollars since we started production into the local community now we don't put that in in cash we put it in in kind we've equipped two schools with computers in their rooms we've rebuilt uh, the kitchen of one of the schools, which was in a terrible state, had been there since since the 1950s, and we've modernised that. We've helped uh, disabled and disadvantaged children. We've we often help uh, war veterans who are a, a very highly regarded uh, part of the community in in, in Kazakhstan. They, they call them veterans from the Great Patriotic War, mm. our Second World War, uh, and so we help these people that ordinarily wouldn't get assistance from the uh, from the state or from the local. Uh, councils. So a million dollars from a small company like ours, I think, shows the testament uh, and the support we put into the local community. So it's quite a rural part of Kazakhstan you're, you're in? Or? Yeah, you could put it like that. Um, it's southern steppe. It's a mm. very flat, very arid environment in which we operate. But the closest um, town to us is about 20 kilometers away. It's a, it's a town called Balkhash. And that is a, a town that of about 60,000 people, which is quite large for Kazakhstan. And it's centered around a, a copper smelter that was run by Kazakh Miss, um, which many, many of the uh, investors will be, the name will be familiar. And as you can imagine, the environmental issues in that town from smelters is not possibly as, uh, as one would want right. on a new smelter. But nonetheless, we, we, we take our employees 
And I have to say, they're a, they're a highly skilled workforce that we have, and um, they deserve everything we give them. I just want to touch back on your use of cash. So obviously, you know, there's been the, these huge returns in via dividends to shareholders. It's obviously very impressive you can do this, and you have the particular setup which allows you to do this. But I mean, are there other uses of this cash which could maybe grow the business? Do you think about other commodities where there might be opportunities? You just talk a little bit about. Yeah, look, we um, we, we we do benefit from having a, a highly profitable uh, business, and about. Two years ago, we recognised that could we export our abilities as a resource company to develop projects? And in that regard, we, different to many companies, we actually built our project ourselves. And whilst I said right at the beginning of this interview that we'd been to China to get the engineering design done of our plant, which again was not the norm for our sort of company, we normally would go to a an internationally respected engineering group. Um, but you pay more for that. In these straightened times, when money is harder to come by, we decided to go and, and, and investigate China. We got lower capital costs. In fact, we saved ourselves about 50% on the costs. And again, people said, well, it won't work. We're getting 98, 99% availability on that plant. And we built it ourselves. And since that date, we've spent over $30 million expanding the plant and increasing the uh, infrastructure to allow us to access another part of our asset base, $30 million, and that's all been managed by ourselves, by our in-house people. So having that experience in in the company, we then look to what else we can do outside. And some of our investors say, well, if you do something outside, how is it ever going to be quite as profitable right. as what you do currently? And that's a good good question. But it doesn't stop us looking. And I, we started looking for other business opportunities about two years ago. And we've looked at a lot of projects mm-hmm. and a lot of companies, well over 100. And we've probably engaged on eight to 10 uh, companies over the years. And for one reason or another, either they don't fit the environment that they operate in or their costs are not quite uh, compatible with where we would want to be, we haven't acted. Now, a lot of our shareholders have have said to us, look, don't feel you are pressured to do something because uh, there is an old model that says a mining company that gets the money goes off to look at doing something else Mm. on the back of one success and the second one is a failure and drags down the first one. Well, we're not going to do that. You know, as I reach my middle middle 60s, I want to be remembered for the successes I've driven rather than any failures. And it doesn't mean to say that we are ultra cautious, but when we move, it'll be in the best interest of the company, but also the shareholders as well. So they don't have their dividend that they currently enjoy diminished by something that uh, would detract from the value we've currently d- developed. Uh, just finally, I mean, maybe we could tie this into the Copper Bay project you're looking at at the moment in Chile. Some industry commentators are predicting a deficit in the copper market in a, in a couple of years' time. When that exactly will be is, is a matter of great debate. Are you bullish about the long-term copper price? And how do, you, how do your plans for your second potential asset fit into, fit into that? Well, yeah, I, one has to be bullish about one's own commodity that, that we're in. We're seeing at the moment a low price due in part to uncertainty in the world economy and and China in particular. Copper, however, has actually done reasonably well compared to a lot of other commodities and it's kept its price reasonably steady. Uh, Just recently, since the start of the year, it's dipped below the $5,000 mark and it's went down to just over $4,000. It's currently trading at about $4,700. Where's it going to go? Well, if you ask 
any person in the mining industry, some will say it's going to stay where it is, and others will say it's for a rise. The general average consensus is we're going to see 18 months to two years of Mm. these sort of prices before we see a turnaround. I said right at the beginning as well that some of these bigger, older mines that are run by the big corporations, they're getting deeper. They're getting Mm. less less grade coming out. They're producing less copper. We will not see the the uh, all the copper being replaced as, as we go along because the incentive price for people to build new projects is way above where the price is currently. So we will see in two years' time, I think, a shortfall. Bear in mind that the copper consumption still rises at 3% per annum. Mm. And if you don't keep pace for that, supply uh, will not meet uh, demand. And I believe that will come in two years time or thereabouts so we continue doing what we're doing we have a long-term view on copper and um it will come around three dollars copper six uh, six and a half thousand dollar copper is uh, two years away right how does copper bay this copper bay project fit into, well, um, into the um, longer term well <laughs> When we uh, did the pre-feasibility study last year, we used $3 copper as our our price to uh, calculate the sort of value of the project. We entered into a a feasibility study, which will be completed before Christmas of this year. We are expecting some wins on capital numbers. I think they may come down and, and operating costs may be better than we originally expected. But nonetheless, we have to face facts that we're in a lower price copper environment and so if you were to ask me now uh, will i be building copper bay next year uh, i think it's very much in terms of where we think copper is going to be next year mm. but as importantly anybody we borrow money off or w- where money comes from to help us to build the project it's going to be what their view is on copper i wouldn't want shareholders to think oh god nick's going to take the money from from a, a, a very profitable operation to put it into Chile with little chance of success. That's not what we're about. Mm. And I think a management style over the last four or five years has shown that we are generally a prudent company and l- look to reward shareholders. So I'm not going to do anything that I think that would damage the, the, the brand, as it were. Nick Clark, thanks so much for your time. Pleasure.